Well, since you call me old, then there's this old preacher, and he had to get a new set of teeth. And he got a new set of teeth, and the next Sunday morning, he, he preached about 10 minutes. The second Sunday rolled around, he preached about 20 minutes. Congregation didn't know what to think. The next Sunday, he come, and he preached an hour and 20 minutes. Some of the people asked him going out, said, Preacher, said, why did you preach so long today? He said, the first week I had my new denture, said, that, said it just hurt so bad I couldn't hardly stand it. Said the second week, said that they was just rubbing against us. Said they was just so sore that I just had to quit. Said, but this morning, said I grabbed my wife's dentures by mistake and I didn't know when to hush up. <laughs> well, I know that wasn't real spiritual, but <laughs> if you have your Bible, Isaiah chapter number six, verse number eight. Isaiah chapter number 6, verse number 8. And if you could find your place tonight, if you could stand for the reading of the Word of God, we just want to read that one verse as it relates to the man of God and the calling of God. And In Isaiah chapter number 6, verse number 8. And this is what Isaiah said. He said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We glorify your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings of life. We thank you, Lord, for Damien, his wife, his family. Lord, we pray that you just bless them, Lord, as they embark upon a ministry at such a young age. And, Lord, we're still thankful and so thankful tonight that you call young people, Lord, into the ministry. And, Lord, we pray, Heavenly Father, tonight that you just bless this sermon, bless Brother Todd as he lays the charge tonight. But bless Brother Damien, Lord, with the responsibility that he realizes, Lord, what he's about to embark upon tonight. And I know that you've already touched his heart. We've met with him in the ordaining council and met and talked to him and had him preach at our church. And, Lord, we pray that you just bless everything that goes on tonight in Jesus' name. And amen. As we're seated here tonight, I just want to start out by saying that Isaiah said, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And he says, And who shall go for us? Then Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. Uh, I want you to know tonight that God has to call preachers. I, I, I've had two or, two or three people just here recently have talked to me and said, Well, I've been praying for my son to be a preacher, but I never did tell him. Uh, and I, uh, when my son was growing up, he'll be, uh, he's 31 now, he'll be 32 here in a few months. And uh, when, when I was his principal at the Christian school where, uh, where he uh, went to school, people used to say, I bet you really want your son to be a preacher. And I used to tell him this, and I don't say this uh, uh, out of conceit. If my son is a preacher because I want him to be a preacher, he ain't going to be much of a preacher. Right. See, Isaiah said, who will go? Right. Uh, and Isaiah said, Lord, I'll go. And see, a preacher has to be known that he's a, that he's called of God. We, we, we live in a wicked society today where people no longer respect churches. They no longer respect uh, pastors and preachers and stuff. So we have to be able to make sure that we're of God. Boy, it's a whole lot better to know that when if mommy didn't call me, that God did. It's a whole lot better to know that daddy didn't call me, but God called me. And I'm telling you something, when you know you've called her God, it don't matter what anybody else thinks. It's between you and God. Now, there's seven things that I want to give you in this sermon. Wanted God's man. Now, you notice I, 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 I'm not a sexist. I, I believe women ought to have the same rights as men. But I believe God calls men to preach. That's right. I'll put a big amen right there. I, I believe God ordains men to be preachers. 
And I, there are seven things that I want to give you about wanting God's man. First of all, I believe God wants a man that can pray like Elijah. Yeah. We all know the story. Elijah prayed and uh, the Bible tells you and I that he prayed far down from heaven. And certainly uh, we know that it lapped up the uh, the offering. We know one time that Elijah had such a prayer life that, uh, that he prayed and for a space of three and a half years in the book of James, the Bible said that it didn't rain because of the prayer life that, that uh, this man of God had. The Bible tells you and I that he prayed again and certainly it started to rain. You say, preacher, am I going to have to be able to uh, be the same kind of person is that Elijah is? No, you can only be yourself. But I want to tell you something tonight. You better have a prayer life. That's one of the qualifications that we can learn. When you have a prayer life, think, well, I'll tell you what, the deepest, darkest storms in your life, and they'll come as a preacher. Sometimes the loneliest position that you can ever have uh, in your lifetime is that of a preacher. Sometimes your wife won't understand, your friends won't understand, your congregation won't understand. But if you're called of God and you pray to God, then the peace of, uh, and the joy that comes from knowing I, I'm doing God's way. Now, I'm not talking about being stubborn or hard-headed or having to have your way. I don't always have to have my way, but I always have to have God's way. There's a difference. There's a difference. So I believe that God wants a man that can pray uh, certainly like Elijah can. I believe that God wants a man that can endure persecution like Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah is just not called the weeping prophet because he didn't uh, suffer. The Bible tells us that we see Jeremiah down in the dungeon. We see him down in the mar. We, we see God lifting him out because he was somebody that was persecuted for no other reason than the fact that he was doing what God wanted to do. Hey, we're living in a society in America today because of the hate crime laws and everything else. But you mark my word, within the next 10 years, preachers will be hauled out, my friend, for preaching against uh, homosexual marriages. Uh, what are we going to do? Are we going to believe man or are we going to believe God? If we're called of God, folks, listen, I believe Christians ought to be law-abiding citizens. I believe we ought to obey the laws of the land. That's what my King James Bible says. But any law that violates God's law is to be upheld by God's law and not man's law. Now, you can't use that for uh, an excuse to go, well, that preacher said I could go home tonight doing 85 miles an hour on 85. No, I ain't saying that. You violated, you violated the principle right there. The speed limit was, you know, that don't violate God's principle. But I believe we need a man, and not only like Elijah, that can pray. I, I, persecution. Uh, persecution, certainly. You say, well, preacher, I ain't persecuted. I, 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 I live in America. I ain't persecuted. You ain't. I'm a, I'm a Vietnam veteran. And you know what? I can't go into North and South Carolina as a preacher and close a prayer in the name of Jesus. Now, I ain't talking about New York. I ain't talking about California. I'm talking about right here in, in Old Teen up in Asheville and right here in Columbia where I go. You say that ain't persecution? What's well, persecution to me? Because I believe the only name under heaven by which man can be saved is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I believe the only chance that humanity has is Jesus Christ and what he did upon the cross of Calvary. So see, we need some men today. Uh, that when persecution comes, uh, that when we're thrown into prison or whatever uh, the situation may be, we'll certainly be there. I, I believe that God wants a man that can do personal work like Philip. When you look in Acts chapter 8 verse 29, Philip was always led to, to be a witness. Always wanting to witness to somebody. You know, in Acts chapter number 8, verses 32 through 35, you can look it up. Philip was, Philip was always harvesting souls. 
You know, it's not only the responsibility of the man of God to try to win souls. It's every Christian's responsibility uh, to try to get a soul winner's crown. But certainly the man of God ought to be able to speak about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ whenever given the opportunity to do so today. So Philip was that kind of person. He did a personal work. And I like what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, Lord, send me. You, you, you know, you notice they didn't say what the qualifications was or what the work was. Isaiah had an eagerness to do what God wanted him to do. And when you look at Philip's life, Philip was the same way. Philip was a man of God. Uh, and certainly Philip might have probably was more of a deacon than he was a preacher. But certainly he was a man of God that wanted to do what God. So he took it on himself to do the personal work that God would have him to do that he would do that. The fourth person I want to look at is certainly, I, I do believe that God wants a man that had the zeal of the Apostle Paul. Somebody, some people say, uh, 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 they t- saw me preach not too long ago at a church and they said, Brother Jackson said, said you must be Bible-costal. So you ain't a Baptist. No, no I, I got a zeal for God. Folks, I've been doing this thing for 32 years, and I want to tell you something. It's just as real to me tonight as it was 32 years ago. And I want to tell you something else. I love the Lord Jesus Christ more right now than I did 32 years ago at a free will Baptist church when He saved me because I've seen the miracles that He's done in my life and my family's yes. life and the growth that, that my family and that I went through all these 32 years of knowing what God does. See, folks, listen. When, when I got ordained, it didn't finish my ministry. When I got ordained, it started my ministry. It started my ministry of doing what God would say. The Apostle Paul had a zeal. I kid my mom sometimes. Uh, you know, <laughs> in Acts chapter number 17, the Apostle Paul went up and he had a zeal. And Paul saw, saw him up on Mars Hill and he said, Boy, I perceive that you people are superstitious. said, You've even got a statue for the unknown God. Didn't want to make nobody mad. I want the world to know tonight. My friend, I've only got a statue of one God. It's in heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. And there's no other way to get there except by Him. Now you can call me, you can call me intolerant, you can call me what you want to, but I believe John 14 and 6 is just as real today as it was when John wrote it. No man, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come unto me unless my Father, which is in heaven, draw him. Listen, you won't be saved unless God draws you by the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. We need some men today with the zeal that Paul had. You know what? The Apostle Paul, when he stood in front of King Agrippa and he stood in front of Felix, he had the zeal. He knew that Agrippa and Felix both knew what the Word of God was, but he told them exactly the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that they would know without a shadow of a doubt, my friend, that he was preaching Jesus. They knew that he was a a Pharisee of the Pharisees. They knew that he was probably the most educated men of their day, but he didn't preach about himself. He preached Jesus. Damien preached Jesus. Preached Jesus. Where nobody else likes it or not, preached Jesus. Where nobody else understands it or not, preached Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Brother Todd. It's not about the Simpsonville Church. Or it's not about the Turning Point Church. It's about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And our zeal must be for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when you realize that I'm a man of God, I'm doing what God, it don't matter what the demons of hell or the world think, I'm going to stand and trust and believe God and do what God wants me to do. That's what Isaiah said. Lord, I'll go. That's what Jeremiah said. That's what Elijah said. That's what Philip said. And that's what the zeal that the Apostle Paul said when he stood before it. I believe that God wants a man that has a message like Amos. Come on. A message like Amos. 
You said, what's the message that Amos had? You know what Amos told him? The same thing that you and I ought to be telling him, and, and probably every preacher across this world today. Prepare to meet thy God. Right. See, that was the warning. That was the message that, that God had instilled on Amos. And Amos, my friend, uh, through persecution, through ridicule, my friend, he was man enough to stand up and say, hey, Jesus is coming back one day. I want, you need to prepare to meet your God. Right. You know what? This time last week, and I don't want to, don't take this the wrong way, but in Alabama and Mississippi and Arkansas and Tennessee, they was close to 400 people that, I'll be in church next Sunday. They was Free Will Baptist churches. I'll see you next Sunday. And folks, you know what? We lost whole churches. They were several Free Will Baptist churches that got totally dilated. You say, you try to scare people. No, listen, every one of us don't have a guarantee that we'll even be back for Wednesday night today. Amos preached the message, prepare to meet thy God. Now certainly everything we do ought to be done in love and compassion. But I want to tell you something. We have to stand on Holy Ghost anointing convictions that we let this world know that Jesus is coming back. Hey, folks, we don't need no more tiny tins tiptoed through the tulips as some of us used to, some of us older folks that grew up knowing what that means. Some of you younger people don't. We need the men of God that says thus saith the word of God Jesus is about to split the eastern skies what's your relationship with him and if it ain't a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus now you're not going to go to some place that you might be okay you're going to go to a devil's hell and it takes a man of God to stand up and say thus saith the word of God prepare to meet thy God and that's what Amos did that's what Amos did prepare to meet thy God he, he gave him the message of the Lord I pray all the time I pray all the time, God, please bless me. Bless me. Now, I, I joke around with Todd and some of the fellows at the beating about this, but I pray that prayer all the time, Todd. Lord, bless me so I can be a blessing to somebody else. And I don't say that lightly. Right. See, folks, when, when, when somebody looks at my life, I want to tell you, when you look at me, Lord, have mercy, you know you ain't looking at LeBron James. When you look at me, you know you ain't looking at Elvis Presley. When you look at me, you know you ain't looking at Michael Jackson. When you look at me, you know, my friend, that you're not looking at James Brown. Y'all you, you, know that, don't you? But see, here's the message. Here's the message. My friend, the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, is probably burning in hell right now. The king of soul, James Brown, unless he repented of his sins, is probably, the king of soul, is probably burning in hell right now. My friend, you know what? The king of pop, Michael Jackson, unless he changed his way uh, somewhere before he died, is probably burning in hell. But my friend, let me tell you something. When you look at me, you see somebody that said spiritually, it's in the spirit image of Almighty God because Jesus Christ is living in me. And I don't preach about pop. I don't preach about rap. I don't preach about rock. Hey, I preach about Jesus and Him crucified today. So when it's all said and done, they might have thought they had more than I had. But there's a reckoning day coming, preacher. There's a reckoning day coming. When that rose called up yonder, I'd be like that Civil War young man down at the true story down in, back in the 1863-64. They took one of the old schools in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And in Atlanta, Georgia, 
They had some nurses. They couldn't have doctors because most of them was out on the field. And they had some nurses that they, they treated both sides, the north and the south. And boy, this nurse was uh, trying to get the people this as fast as she could. And she kept hearing this little boy say, over here, over here. She ran over with big tears in her eyes. Brother Todd and said, said, honey, said, I'll get to you as soon as I can. His arm was cut off and said, I'll get to you as soon as you can, as soon as I can. Then she went back and started taking care of some other patients. There, over here, over here. She ran back over and said, son, said, I don't believe you're as serious as some of the other people. Said, I'll come back over just as soon as I can and take care of you. It was a little two room house that used to be a schoolhouse. That, that soldier looked up at her and said, ma'am, said, I don't think you understand. Said, I heard the roll call of heaven. And I heard him call my name. And I said, over here, over here, I wanted him to let him know where I am today. Hey, hey, listen, my friend. We gotta have a message like Amos today. We got to be able to preach the word of Almighty God. We've got to warn him. We've got to tell him it ain't about the things of this world. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ today. The man of God. We gotta have a message like Amos. I want to give you a couple more. God wants us to, God wants a man who can preach like Peter. P- preach like Peter. You say, what preach? What did Peter preach? Peter looked at him and squared in the face. My friend, let me tell you something. If you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for no other reason, I know we just had Easter. This is the main reason you ought to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter and the other 11, the other 10, they was up in the upper room. They was hiding because they thought that they were going to get crucified next. You know what they did? They saw the risen Savior. Woo-hoo! I'm about to have a spell doing an ordination. <laughs> they saw, you know what happens when you have a personal relationship with a risen Savior? Peter and my friend went from the nine three times to point his finger right in their faces and said, you crucified the son of the living God. You know what happened? 3,000 folk got saved. You know what happened the next chapter over? 5,000 people got saved. You know why? Because Peter quit worrying about himself and started worrying about Jesus Christ and just started preaching. Be a preacher like Peter. Just preach like Peter. Just have the boldness of Peter. He preached Christ and Christ crucified. He preached salvation by Christ and Christ alone. He preached sermons that produced results. And thank God for men today that do that. Here's the last one I want to give you on this seven parts. Then I got another seven parts I want to give you. (laughs) Wanted God's man. Hallelujah. Boy, it makes my heart want to jump and shout when a young man gets called to preach. Called to preach. Man, us older guys are getting a hobby 62 years old, the 1st of June. Thank you, I know I don't look it, but that, that's a difference. <laughs> so you ain't looked in the mirror lately, preacher. No, I ain't. <laughs> hey, thank God for young men that gets called by God to preach the gospel. But I tell you, God wants a man. He wants a man that can rebuke sin like John the Baptist. Oh, yeah. Rebuke sin. Hey, how many of you know in here? That when you rebuke sin, you ain't always the most popular person in the world. Y'all know that, don't you? Folks, I want to tell you something. A preacher that won't rebuke sin ain't worth the gunpowder it takes to blow his brains out. Spiritually speaking now, I ain't talking about hurting nobody. 
Brother rebuke sin. Let me tell you something else about sin. Don't preach about some other family sin and have the same sin in your family and not preach about it. If sin is sin to the congregation, sin is sin in my own family if it's the same thing. And many ministers fall by the wayside because what they call sin for everybody else and then it happens. Be like John the Baptist. I'm just going to preach. I'm going to chop your head off. I believe old John the Baptist looked at him I believe when that chopping block, man, I've got imagination like you will. I believe when they put old John the Baptist's head there, it's getting ready to put that thing and chop his head off. I believe old John looked up and said, hey, before that thing hits the wood and before my toes quit wiggling, I'll be walking on them streets of gold. Hey, man, today. Hey, don't worry about what man has to say. Rebuke sin. Sin is sin. But let me tell you something. Sin ain't the only message. When you're a pastor, you got to preach on. I, I love what one of the great preachers in America, W.A. Criswell, uh, said. I, I, I've got Jack Howells' books, and I've got Hugh. Uh, uh, I don't know how many pastors' books I've got, but I tell you something uh, about being a pastor. W.A. Criswell said this, and I, I've never forgot it in 32 years. I bought that book right after I got ordained. This book is full of heaven. It's full of apostles. There's over 3,300 people in the Old Testament. It's, it's got sermon after sermon. A preacher should never be short of sermons. Right. Do a series in a book. Do a series about the people. Preach on everything. Preach on sin, certainly, but certainly uh, preach, rebuke sin. You say, preacher, now you, you gave me a mouthful tonight. And Brother Damien said, Lord, I can't pray like Elijah. I certainly can't go through persecution like Jeremiah. I certainly probably can't do a personal work like Philip or have the zeal that Paul has or have the message of Amos or, or be able to preach like Peter or be able to rebuke sin. And see, the truth of the matter is God ain't wanting you to be like any one of those seven men. God is wanting you to be you. But God's wanting you to have a little bit of those seven characteristics in you. If you don't pray, you'll never be an effective preacher. If you don't have a prayer life, and talk to God. You'll never be an effective preacher. You certainly, you don't. You listen. Preachers don't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble finds us. <laughs> trouble finds us. I mean, <laughs> if if some people in the congregation knew what we had to go, why there ain't nothing wrong with my grandpa shacking up with this lady. The, God understands why they're doing that. Folks, that happened just a couple weeks ago. God don't understand that sin is sin. Right. Just because you want to get more on your social security check, no, God wants you to live a holy and godly life. Right. You know what the Bible says? And some of you elderly people like me know what I'm talking about because we used to preach it all the time in our churches. The Bible said without holiness, no man will see God or no woman will see God. God expects us to be holy. Now, seven things briefly. Now, I'm, I'm done. This is only going to take just a couple more minutes. Uh, seven more minutes. Seven, about seven. Can I have about six, six, seven more minutes? Go ahead. A wise minister. A wise minister. He'll be wise in his speech. I can't tell you the friends that I've lost because I wouldn't listen to their dirty jokes. I can't tell you the friends that I lost because I wouldn't listen to their ethnic jokes. Folks, God has one race of people, and that's the human race. Amen. Our speech, our walk. 
God wants a minister that has an example not only of his speech but his walk. And then he wants to have a cross bearing. We have to bear our cross and not just preachers. Everybody has to bear their cross. And I believe a wise minister will give attendance to reading. I told them at the Bible Institute, they didn't have kindergarten when I first started the school. They just had the first grade back in the, in the mid-50s when I started the school. I went to school from 1955 to 1990. You said, preacher, it took you a long time to get out of high school, didn't it? No, no, wait a minute now. No, wait a minute. That wasn't just high school. That was working myself through college and spending eight years in the military and only being able to take one or two classes or something at a time and working through my master's degree to get my doctor's degree because I believe that reading is important. I grew up in a free will Baptist church. I used to, Brother Todd, I, I'm, I'm not bragging on myself. But I probably could tell you as many Bible stories in this book as probably people that went to church. Because I grew up in the church. Went to vacation Bible school. But folks, let me tell you something. This book was nothing but a book of poetry, a book of science, a book of history, and a book of information. Until I knelt down and got right with God 32 years ago and let a personal Savior open up this living book. And my friend, and this come my life. Whatever the problem is in your life, can be found in this King James Bible right here. You say, preacher, no, no. Let me say that again. Whatever problem you're facing can be found in this book right here. That's right, preacher. I thought I'd get more amens out of that. And you know why we don't? Just like Brother Mays Jackson used to say, if you go digging for gold, you know what you got to do sometimes? Well, sometimes you got to get that pick and you got to dig down deep to get them gold nuggets out. So many people come to church on Sunday morning, you don't see them again until the next Sunday, then they wonder why they don't have the power of God on their life. When you start reading the Word of God and getting into the Word of God and digging into the Word of God, only God's man, God wants a man that certainly uh, gives attention to reading. You know what reading does to a preacher? Boy, I can have all kinds of problems. Start reading the Word of God, Psalms 119 and 9 says, you know what it does? It cleanses a preacher. You know what else? It prepares the preacher. I can start reading my Bible, and boy, I tell you what, something just seems to happen. Now listen here, folks. What are God's man? I'm going to just throw this in as a side note since I'm a pastor. That's the devil that's trying to put you to sleep when you're trying to read the Bible. It ain't God. Come on. <laughs> Amen. God wants you to read His Word. God wants you to read His Word. I, I don't know about you, but... I want to be like Enoch. I like to be walking along one day, just talking to I talk to God all the time. Y'all try. Come on, preacher. And just say, God. Enoch said, said, man, I'm pretty far from the house. I believe God said, Enoch, said, you're closer to my house than your house. You know what the King James said? And the Lord took him. Yeah. I like to be walking someday just talking to God. Some, somebody spiritual get that for I think here. I like to just be talking to God. Whoa, glory. And God just take you. And God just take you. Hallelujah. It gives you a daily clean. I, I believe a, lie, a, a, a wise minister, the third thing, and I'm just about through, gives attendance to exhortation. I looked that word exhortation up because I couldn't even hardly say it, let alone know what the definition of it. It says arouse. Uh, 
It means to give somebody advice and give somebody an encouragement. But it also takes a stronger meaning about giving somebody a warning. Certainly you can encourage somebody by one. I don't know about you, but if, if, if a member of my family was about to step off of a cliff and it was 200 feet down there and I knew they was going to kill them, you know what I'd probably say? Hey! You're about to fall off a cliff. I believe, I, I believe I'd get a little strong language. I, I believe I'd try to arouse them. I believe I'd try to warn them. I want to tell you something, preacher. There's people right here in this area that's on their way to a devil's hell unless the preacher starts warning and exhortation and telling them that Jesus is coming back, that there's no guarantee that you're going to live another day on this earth today. We need to start warning people about the judgment to come today. Now, there's already these crazies that says the end of the world is going to happen sometime this month. Then you got a, a, another bunch of crazies that says it's going to end on December the 12th, uh, uh, 2012. But I want to tell you what Jesus said. The day or the hour, the angels in heaven don't know. He said, be ready. You know the story of the ten virgins? Five was wise and five was foolish. Five had the oil, the Holy Spirit of God. Five didn't. And while the other five went out trying to find something, that's just like the world today. They're, they're searching for something. They're going to look up and the world's Jesus is going to be cut. I want to be part of that uh, part that's gone today. Okay, let me, let me give you this. Hey, the wise minister will give attendance, uh, uh, attendance to doctrine. I had a preacher tell me not too long ago. I won't tell you who it is because a couple of them was pretty smart fellas, I thought. Oh, preacher, I never preached doctrine. Well, that's awful funny. Jesus did. Doctrine is the teaching of the Bible. It's the teaching of... You better teach doctrine. You better teach the teachings. Unless you're Joe Osteen, and then you can just have 40,000 and teach about love all the time. Right? <laughs> Amen. Woo! You ain't going to change your mind before he gets up here, are you? <laughs> Hallelujah. And I believe a wise preacher will develop his talents. Now I gave you those seven men, and certainly there's no way I can be like all those seven men that I that I mentioned in the first part of that sermon. But I can have I can have part of their character. I, I, I like what somebody told me years ago, years and years ago. If you ever, and I, I tell them this at the Bible Institute all the time, you know, if you're ever going to be spiritual, you're going to have to run around with somebody more spiritual than you are. Amen. If you want to be spiritual, if you want to be a good preacher, you're going to have to hang around some preachers that's got more knowledge than you've got. Right. Uh, I don't know about Brother Todd. You come up. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Brother Todd's a great, a great uh, preacher, a great man of God. He's certainly somebody you ought to hang around. But, uh, but that, that, that's not only for preachers. Uh, that's sound advice for, for anybody. I believe the, Develop your talents, well, whatever talent that he is. And, uh, you know, Brother Todd's a good singer. He's a good preacher. Uh, whatever talent that you have, um, you may be a great preacher, but you may not be a great pastor. Uh, I, I know some great preachers that, that, that can preach and holds revivals everywhere, but they didn't make good. You know, my favorite preacher of all times, Brother Mays Jackson. You know, Brother Mays pastored for about five or six years. He decided that wasn't for him. <laughs> So he started the truck driver special radio program and, and before he died, he'd been on the radio for almost 50 years. So your talent, 
you're, uh, you know, God, every, every, every God called man ain't necessarily a, a pastor. Many of them are evangelists and, and different things. Uh, hopefully you'll be called to be a pastor. But I do believe that, uh, that the sixth thing, the wise minister has to have a, a consecrated life. I believe we must be separated. I gave you that illustration about LeBron James and Michael Jackson and all folks. Don't don't listen, listen. I'm serious now. I don't I don't want to be labeled with that crowd. I want to be labeled over there with that separated, blood bought, spirit filled crowd. Put me over there with those ones that believe in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Put me over there with one of those that believe that Jesus Put me over there with that crowd like the, uh, the New Testament wrote that if my hope is only in this world, I'm man most miserable. But thank God, folks, my hope ain't in this world. My hope is in the world to come. One day Jesus is coming after me. And you know what? When he calls, it'll be a homecoming. When he calls, I won't have to check the register to see if I'm an uninvited guest. I don't know about y'all, but I didn't get invited to the wedding Friday over in England. Just didn't have the prestige and the power. Just didn't know enough folk. But I want you to know something, folks. One day after a while, they're going to call. They're going to call that roll. And when they do, he's going to separate the goats on the left. Constant separated life. You must have a yield life in Second Chronicles. And you must be heavenly minded and heavenly, have your mind on heavenly things. Alright. And then in closing, let me give you this one. A wise minister is steadfast. Steadfast. And I do believe that a, a wise minister, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7, if anybody wants to write that down or get this tape, 1 Timothy 4 and 7, a wise minister and deacon and leader in a church will avoid gossip. Folks, gossip is a sin. Right. Because gossip never, never portrays the whole truth. That's why it's called gossip. Read First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It's the responsibility of a preacher and a deacon and ordained and leaders of the church to cut down on the gossip. Uh, and don't let it go any farther. In First Timothy chapter 6, we need to certainly speak against false teachers. Anybody that tells you that there's more than one way to get to heaven is a false teacher. It's a false teacher. Anybody. I, I don't care if he is. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He says, even if the angels in heaven preach another gospel than what I preached, you wasn't supposed to believe it. So we need to preach again. Now we need we need to preach against Satan. First Peter chapter five verse eight and nine said he's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But I tell you what, Damien, he's after you, son. He's after you. He's after you. Anybody in this church, man or woman, that's trying to do something for God, the devil's after you. The devil's after you. But you know what? Reading this Bible tells me. In James chapter number 4, says, If I would resist the devil, that he would flee. And if I would draw nigh unto God, go. that God would draw nigh to me. You know what I read one time in John chapter number 4, verse 1 John 4 and 4? That greater is he that's in me yes. than right. he that's in the world. That's right. So when the devil starts cold trailing you, I'm going to stick the ultimate line on him. You know, in a jungle, 
The lion fears nobody. The lion don't fear nobody, Brother Todd. He, he's arrogant. He ain't afraid of the hippos. He ain't afraid of the elephants. He ain't afraid of the crocodiles or the alligators or, 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 or the other lions. He ain't afraid of... You know, the only thing that scares a lion is when he hears another bigger male lion give out a bigger roar, bigger holler than what he can. And it... Folks, you know what makes the devil tremble? The Lord Jesus Christ is the... Oh, glory! Out of the line of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. Thank God he's coming, King of kings and Lord of lords. Damien, I'm proud of you, your wife. I believe you're going to make a great preacher for the Lord Jesus Christ. I gave you some serious stuff here tonight, I know. Hopefully I gave you some sound advice. But just stay true to God. Just love the Lord Jesus Christ. And Brother Todd's going to come and lay the charge. I've I, I considered it an honor to get to come and do this. I've had Damien preach for me a couple, two or three times. Uh, and I, I just thank the world of him. I believe that he's going to uh, do great things for God. But just be like Isaiah. Lord, who will go for us? Isaiah said, Lord, here I am. Yeah. I'll leave the mountains of West Virginia and come to Georgia and up here to South Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I mean, I'm originally from the mountains. And, but see, God sometimes moves you. God leads you to go. And uh, I, I, In closing, most of you know I used to be the principal over at the school for Brother Earl years ago. and uh, I, I, They called me over to Simpsonville to preach about five or six times. And I, I kept telling them, Brother Dane, I, I just don't know. I mean, Brother Earl and Miss Gwen, they're good to me. My wife teaches over there. I kept praying and praying and praying. And I, I, I kept having these dreams. I mean, if, if you saw my church 10 years ago and see it now, I mean, nothing looks the same. But I kept seeing all those seven acres, and I kept seeing Highway 417, and I kept seeing all the, uh, you know, the possibilities that God could do on all that land. And we was able to build a almost a million-dollar life center building and, and do all kinds of landscaping and different things. And see, uh, many of the people that was there when I first got there, or, or many of them had passed on in heaven now, and many others had moved away. And God just blessed. But see, the thing, I could have said, well, I've got a safety net. I know Brother Earl and Miss Gwen love me. I could stay over to Inman because they sure didn't want to get rid of me. And then when I left, Brother Earl said, well, I kept the best Jackson anyway. He kept my wife another eight years. She taught over another eight years. But see, when God calls you, you've got to be like Isaiah. And when it's of God, when it's of God, then I tell you, there ain't nothing sweeter in this world than being in a right relationship with God. Pastor, come and do your thing. And I thank you for letting me come and sharing this special day. I got a little excited when the good doctor was talking about being transported out of here like old Enoch was. I told the folks just the other Sunday uh, about Elijah a little bit and of how Elijah got caught up in that chariot of fire. And then, of course, uh, he was transported from this earth uh, uh, up to the heavenly world and uh, never did see an earthly death. And, of course, uh, we'll know why when Revelation rolls around about him possibly, or he will be one of those witnesses uh, over in the book of Revelations. 
But uh, one smart aleck said, Preacher, that is impossible uh, for Elijah to be transported from earth uh, up to the heavens. He said it's impossible because when he goes flying through the air, he's going to get so many thousands of feet in the air and he's going to freeze to death and he's going to die then. Well, that's why God sent a chariot of fire to keep him warm on the way home. Amen. Hey, listen, I'm telling you today, that's the God's honest truth today. And I believe it with all of my heart. And like I say, we appreciate uh, Brother Jackson coming and being with us tonight. This is a serious thing, Brother Damon and Sister Carol. I want you to take it as a serious thing. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter number 4 as we begin this charge tonight to ordain Brother Damon into the gospel ministry. I can go start by saying Brother Damon done everything that was asked of him. Uh, we get so many men that come through the ordaining council. We just ask to meet with them four times during the period of a year. And a lot of times after the first meeting, they never come back. A lot of times as they uh, come through, they do not succeed. But Damon has succeeded tonight. And I appreciate his dedication and his loyalty and his submission to the board, to this pastor and what his endeavors that the Lord has for him. Second Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 1. The Bible says, I charge thee, Paul says, talking to Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Listen, when we speak of doctrine in the Bible, I'm not talking about independent Baptists. I'm not talking about Southern Baptists. I'm not talking about free will Baptists. I'm talking about the doctrines of the Bible. Amen. For time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thine ministry. Damon, I see a few things here in the scriptures going to be important to you. As we charge you before these witnesses and before God tonight, needs to be taken seriously. Not only by you, but Sister Kara as well, because when God called you, He called her to be a helpmate in this ministry. In verses 1 and 2 there, we see a preacher's mandate. He's to be the man of the Word. He's to preach the Word. That word preach means to herald. It refers to a king's messenger uh, to the people. He's to sound out the king's Word. The king being the Lord Jesus Christ with a voice that is loud and clear. The message was to be heard and heeded. I had a fellow one time, I don't believe he was trying to be cruel, and then again he might would, might have been. He said, preacher, you preach too loud, that gets on my nerves, and I can't stand it, you preach too loud. And he kept on saying it, you preach too loud, you preach too long, you preach too loud. The Bible says, son, lift up your voice like a trumpet. 
Amen. That's what the Bible says. The messenger is to be respected and unhindered. And he was not an ambassador with whom one might negotiate and compromise. He was a messenger that must be heard. The word here refers to the whole counsel of the Bible. The preacher's mandate is to be uh, the man of the word. And not a hu- of human philosophy. Not of uh, psychology. Not of human wisdom and education. But the unsearchable riches of Christ. The message is to be the Word of God alone, not philosophy. I am a 100% proponent of education. I believe that people ought to get as much schooling as they can possibly get. But my friend, listen, we're not here to preach out of a science book. He's to preach out of the living, breathing Word of God tonight. It'll require much study, Brother Damon. In fact, the preacher's life is to be a lifetime commitment to the study of the Word of God. The family needs to understand this and support the man of God in his efforts to grow in the Word. A lot of time the ministry gets hectic. And you have deaths uh, inside of the ministry or inside the church that you pastor. You have people that's hurting. You have people that have all kinds of problems that you're trying to help and that you're trying to take care of. And you're trying to help them through them storms with the help of God in your life. But folks, there is a time where a lot of times you just have to lay it down and get to the Word of God because... The Word says, feed my sheep. That's not saying neglect the church. That's saying we've got to have study time. I remember many times in my ministry down through the years, I've had to tell my wife, I said, honey, you go on to the store. I'd love to go with you and the kids, but I need to study the Word of God. I need some time by myself today to pray, and I need to get by myself and get in touch with God because Sundays are coming. Amen. Nothing will take place in the preaching of the Word of God. Nothing. Not a puppet, not a pony, not a play. Nothing will ever replace the preaching. Not only that, but you to be a master of the winds, Brother Damon. In other words, be instant. The word instant has an idea of being present or being ready. The idea here is that there will be times when preaching is easy and times when it is heard and when it is hard. There'll be times when it's fun and times when it's sure drudgery. I had one preacher to tell me this one time when I first started preaching. I didn't understand it, but I didn't understand it today. This right here can be the best place to be on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. But it can also be the loneliest place if the good Lord of heaven, by the way of the Holy Ghost, doesn't show up to season what takes place here. Be instant. Be Ready, preacher, to preach the Word. There'll be times when the the people are listening and when they're turning a deaf ear to the message and looking at their watch, ready to go home. Regardless of how the wind may be blowing at a particular time, the preacher's to stand forth and preach the Word of God. Be ready, Brother Damon. Be in your place and preach. No excuses, no whining. Just a heart that is ready when the preaching moment presents itself. I remember as I was sitting in the Parkway Church one day and I was sitting there battling between my mind and my soul between two pastorates uh, where they was calling on us to come. I went, uh, Listen, I had to be ready this particular morning. The pastor had to leave on a flight at 11.15 on Sunday morning. There was a church member that had cancer. 
He was dying and he was nearing his deathbed and all of the family was in Washington, D.C. They called the preacher and said, Preacher, please pray with me. He said, I'm going to do more than that. We're going to pray, but I'm on my way to Washington, D.C. to be with you for his crossing and I want to minister to you. And he looked at me at 11.15 and said, Preacher Todd, I need you to preach the message this morning. And I had to be ready to preach. Be ready. No excuses. You need to be mindful of the witness or the charge before God. Timothy is reminded that God and Jesus are observing the ministry of the preacher. Also reminded that one day the preacher will give account to the Lord Jesus Christ for the ministry that is performed. The preachers to preach with this knowledge in view at all times. Brother Damon, you're not going to be held accountable by the deacon board for what you preach. You're not going to be held accountable by the person in the pew by what you preach. The preacher must never preach to tickle ears or to please men. We've got to stand accountable before Almighty God for everything we say and everything we do. It makes me tremble and it makes me nervous today. Even today. That ought to make us approach the pulpit with trembling. On one hand, and determination to sound out the king's message accurately and clearly on the other. But also see the preacher's message. It must be a convicting message. Brother Damon, we've got to reprove according to the Bible. This is a word that refers to the preaching that brings conviction. This has in mind preaching that corrects the errors of men's beliefs and practices. The kind of preaching holds the bright light of the Word against the blackness of sin, thus exposing it for what it is. Genuine, biblical preaching exposes evil and brings conviction on sinners. And the true preacher tonight will expose sin as he carefully preaches the Word of God. Not only reprove, but the Bible says to rebuke. While a reproof exposes the sinfulness of sin, a rebuke exposes the sinfulness of the sinner. There's the personal side of preaching is what this is. Sin must be confronted before the sinner will be convicted. God will use your preaching to confront sinners. And if you preach the whole counsel of God, our preaching must warn the sinner of the dangers of sin. But it also must be a comforting message. It must exhort. In other words, uh, I know that people in today's life, we're running a rat race to and fro. It seems like our life is so busy that we can't stop to do much of nothing. Folks, you better find time to pray. You better find time to read the Word of God. We better find time to be that work of an evangelist and share the Word of God with others. I know that we live in a life that's a lot of times in our families, uh, the mother works and the father works, and when the kids get old enough, they're working to provide for the family. That's the days in which we live. But that doesn't change the Word of God. Although there's times when we reprove and we rebuke, a lot of times people come into the church house, they're so beat up, they need some encouraging message. They need an encouraging message that will lift them up. That will help them get to Wednesday night to where they can come back and maybe get lifted up again. Amen. A preacher called me one time, my Brother Jackson, and said, Preacher, I don't know what's wrong with my church. They're falling apart. I said, Brother, can I help you? Can I give you any advice? I said, I don't know what's going on in your church. He said, well, pray for me. I said, Brother, I've been praying for you. He said, I don't understand it. I preach Sunday after service, after service, after service. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I don't understand why it's all falling apart. I said, brother, what you been preaching on? 
He said, well, I've been aggravated at everybody and I've been preaching on this, that, and the other and started listening to these sins of 500 miles long. Listen, we're going to have to preach against sin. We're going to have to do that. We're called by God to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. But it came down to it, Preacher Damon, that he had preached about 15 or 20 messages, 15 or 20 weeks in a row, shearing the sheep. You know what happens when you get a haircut 15 or 20 times in a matter of just a few weeks? You start looking like Gerald. And some of you that don't have nothing on top of your head. I said, preacher, with all due respect, let me give you a word of advice. He hadn't been preaching as, as long as I would, and I would never go up to Dr. Jackson and give him advice like this. But I said, preacher, I'll be honest with you. You're shearing the sheep, but sheep's hair don't grow that fast. Think about it. They needed some lifting up. They needed some encouragement. So Damon, even though we're called to preach and reprove and rebuke about sin, we are called to encourage the people as well and to exhort that message in their heart and in their life. It's got to be a compassionate message with long-suffering. The word, uh, This word here has an idea of being patient and enduring to the end. It's got to be a confirming message. Preaching the whole counsel of God. We're to preach the Word of God and instruct people in the doctrines of the great book of the Bible. Your opinions, your beliefs, your thoughts are completely irrelevant. What matters is thus saith the Word of God out of this old time King James Version of the Bible. And we see the preacher's ministry in verse 5. must be a ministry of sobriety. Bible says to watch. This word means to abstain from wine and to be sober. It's to call for the man to be alert and to walk through life with your eyes open. What's the preacher to watch for? He's to watch for the wolves that will come in and destroy the flock. He has to watch for the wicked ones who might would destroy the ministry. Many men have failed to watch and they've seen their ministries destroyed from within by sin. And from without, by invading wolves, watch, preacher, watch. It must be a ministry of steadfastness and endurance. Serving God is not the easiest life in the world. The enemies of the soul, the world, the flesh, and the devil are all striving to destroy you and your family. It wouldn't please the devil more tonight if he could destroy your marriage. If he could, he would, and he'd do it tonight. Because he knows that disqualify you from spreading the word of God. It must be a ministry of steadfastness. It must be a ministry of sharing. In other words, preacher, we want you to evangelize. While the Lord's not called you to a ministry of full evangelism, as we know, He has called you to evangelize. He's called me to evangelize. He's called every dear saint of God that's saved tonight to evangelize and be a minister in spreading the Word of God. It must be a ministry of stability. Make full proof of the ministry, the Word says. That means being a full measure. That's what we need today. And young preachers, let nothing hold you back, Damon, but go with God. This will mean living the right kind of life. It will mean fulfilling the requirements of 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 7 and verse 11. It will mean that you need to be a man of God in the church, at home, and in the public arena. It will mean having the right kind of wife and home life. Your wife will be there to support you 100% of the time if you're going to be successful. Behind behind a good preacher is always a good woman. Amen. Amen. A good woman. 
I charge you today, Kara, to be that wife that the man of God needs. Support him. Where God leads him, you follow. You help him in the work of the ministry. Brother Damon, I charge you tonight, being a gospel preacher in front of these witnesses and before God tonight, I charge you to preach the Word. The whole counsel of the Word of God. Reproving, rebuking, exhorting with power from heaven, with conviction and long-suffering. I charge you. I charge you to make it a lifetime commitment unto God. Because God called you to preach. He's not going to decall you. He's not going to retire you until you get ready to go home. And that home's heaven. That's not in Converse, South Carolina. I charge you to live above reproach. The Bible says we've got to live above reproach. In other words, live above the sin of this world. Live above any of those accusations that may come your way. It's like the good doctor done preached. The enemy will come against you as often as he can. I pray that you keep your body clean. I charge you to keep your body clean. The Bible says the body is a temple of the Holy Ghost who resides within us. That means we ought to abstain from anything that would harm this body. Whether it be smoking a cigarette, to drinking a beer, uh, to, 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 to drinking wine or hard liquor, which whatever one it is, the bo- listen, the Bible says keep that temple clean. Amen. Amen. I charge you, Brother Damon, to study to show yourselves approved. I charge you to be compassionate toward people and understanding in those times that we need to be compassionate. I charge you to be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I charge you to be a man of God in church, at home, and out in public. I charge you to put Jesus first in your life. Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. I charge you to be considerate and fair to this board who's providing these uh, credentials to you today. In other words, Damon, as far as we're concerned, the only thing that can rebuke and we would call for these credentials back would be if there be immorality in your life or if there would be false doctrine preached out of your lips. And brother, I'll be honest with you. This is one of the toughest part of being on this ordaining council because we've had to call for people's papers before. But would you promise this preacher tonight, if you do fall into something like that, would you please willingly submit these credentials back to me? Back to this board. It would make things a whole lot easier for us and on you as well. I charge you to preach the true doctrine. I charge you in all these areas of your life tonight, brother. We love you. We appreciate you. You may say, preacher, that's some strong stuff. Listen, this is a serious matter tonight. I'd been sitting with Dr. Jackson for several years on the ordaining council. Been sitting with Earl Hendricks longer than that. Probably 10 years. And uh, I heard Earl Hendricks say something this past Saturday week ago that I've never heard him say. And as long as I've known Earl sitting in 
The ordaining council meeting. I love Brother Earl. He's a man of great rapport. He's a man of God. And I love him tonight. He's a mentor. Not only to me, but he was to this man here. He was a pastor to him. He's a pastor to all preachers. Is Brother Earl. We respect what he has to say. And when he talks, we listen. Brother Earl looked at Damon. And I've never heard it said. And I've told him this myself. This comes with high authority. This comes with high respect. He looked at Brother Damon and he pointed his finger at Damon. I'm going to tell you the same thing he said to you. You know what he said. He says, Brother Damon, I've got very high expectations of you. Please don't disappoint me. That's the way he said it. That not only put the pressure on Damon, that put the pressure on me. I told Damon down through the last couple of years when we've been training and going over stuff, I said, Brother, there may be things I say and do that you may not even like. I said, But the thing is, my duty, preacher, is to help you succeed in the ministry. I wouldn't do nothing to hurt you. I promise you that, brother. You know that. I would do nothing to hurt you. I love you tonight. All I want to do is help you. And by the help of God, it'll be all right. Why? Because we got confidence that the Lord called him. We got confidence of knowing that he answered the call. And we know that God's going to use him in a great way. Now this don't mean that his phone's going to start ringing tomorrow and he's going to be pastoring next week. God may call him to do another work. We don't know. But when God calls, he'll be ready. I pray that you take these charges seriously. Do you accept them all tonight? Sister Carrie, do you understand? It's serious. Do you accept it tonight? Amen. I want you to come up here, brother. You can bring your wife with you. You can just get on this altar and let's pray. I'm going to have all of the ordained men in the house to come and gather around. Uh, brother Damon, Sister Carrie, as we ordain him. Now, we're not ordaining his wife now. We're ordaining him into the ministry of the gospel of God. And we're going to pray and ask God to help them. In a special way, and I know that He will. I thank God for His life. I thank God for this opportunity. Amen. And this solemn occasion tonight, as we just have the opportunity to lay hands upon Him, pray this prayer of ordination. Brother Damon, I want you to understand too, before we pray, after tonight, you're no longer ordained deacon. You're an ordained preacher. Amen. We won't have any dual ordination shit. So you can just set that aside as a memento. Won't change a whole lot what we do things around here. But uh, you've got the highest calling in Amen. the land. Amen. Let me finish with this before we pray. They asked Billy Graham one time. Billy Graham, you ever considered work uh, running for president? He said, well, sir, to be honest with you, I haven't. And the reason that I haven't is I've already got the greatest calling and the highest calling in the land. Why would I want to take a step down? It's serious tonight.
Let us pray. Dr. Jackson, you lead us. Almighty God. Father in heaven, God, in Jesus' name, Lord, we do love you. Thank you for this opportunity to come to you in prayer. I pray, dear God, that you will take this life that we've set aside and set apart tonight for thee. God, I pray, dear God, as we give this prayer of ordination, that you'll bless him, bless his wife. Dear God, I pray that they did accept and know that they did accept this charge seriously tonight. I pray that you would use them for thy glory. God, as much as we would want them to hang around here and help us out here, God, if that's your will, let it be done. But Lord, we're not going to be stingy and selfish with him. God, if you've got a great work for him, I know that you'll open the doors when the time comes. Be with him today, God. And we'll love you and praise you and all that you do. In Jesus' precious holy name we do pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you, men. You stand right here, Brother Damon, you and your wife. We want to give you this certificate of ordination tonight. It says the Beaver Creek Association of Free Will Baptist Certificate of Ordination certified that Brother Damon Duncan has met all requirements, been solemnly and publicly set apart, and is now ordained to the work of the gospel on the first day of May 2011 through the Beaver Creek Ministers Conference. That's the ordaining council, Earl Hendricks, Todd Black, Christopher Jackson, Mitch Edge, and Dennis Tolley. Amen. Give him a hand tonight. Okay. I love you, brother. Appreciate you. God bless you, honey. We love you and appreciate you, okay? Amen. And on behalf of the church, I've done kind of spilt the beans and showed him anyway, but on the pa- uh, on behalf of the church, sometimes, you know, they give Bibles away and this, that, and the other. Damon's got a real good Bible. It's, it's, it's pretty new. And he don't want to give, I wouldn't want to give up that Bible either. But I gave him a choice. I always want to help the preacher. And then during Christmas, I'll get him some books and uh, where it'll help him. But uh, we're going to present to him tonight and we'll box these back up. But I don't even have these right here. I'm jealous a little bit. No, just kidding. 23 volumes of the pulpit commentary to help you study the Word of God. Amen. God bless you, son. I love you, buddy. Appreciate y'all. Amen. Amen.